This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day two. So coming up is now um, Vinny Feeney, who's joining us momentarily. Um, Vinny is a design lead at NYOB and we'll be talking about his journey um, into the business side of the work that we do um, and giving us some insights from that journey. Hello, Vinny. Hey, Steve. How are we going? Good. Very good. good. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I will, I will let you turn on your slides and I will disappear. Okay, great. Let me, let me just get straight into it then. So topic today, everyone. So my name is Vinny. Um, as Steve mentioned, I'm a design lead at NYOB. And I work on designing accounting software for small and medium businesses. Um, topic for the conversation today really is about the accidental business person. Um, I kind of look at my whole career, to be honest, as a bit of an, of an accident. So it's not just the, the role that I'm in now, but even the, the past couple of roles that I've had. I started out years ago, did a degree in music technology, um, didn't really know what to do, became an Apple genius, very much in inverted commas, um, traveling around the world, fixing people's computers for a while. Um, and then I landed in Melbourne 2013 and started working as a digital agency producer. After a little while, stumbled into to a UX job, which, which I loved. Um, and I've been, been doing that really for the last five or six years. One kind of interesting thing, so through that, experience that I had and um, there was lots of kind of different things I got to dip my toe into so whether it was doing some coding some graphic design some customer service this thing that we call empathy it's funny because Dan mentioned it it came up a few times yesterday I feel like especially in the early days of doing these UX interviews I'd always you know any UX interview you seem to have to talk about having a lot of empathy and um, but I definitely agree that we don't necessarily know exactly what that means and, and sometimes it's a word that's thrown out a little bit um, the one thing, though, in all of these different experiences that I had was was really no focus on commercial skills um, for me personally. It, it just wasn't something I ever had to, to think about in the different roles that I had. To me, that was something that, you know, in a small agency, maybe the business director handled it. And maybe in a product company, that was for the, the product manager and the head of product to think about. And really today, I just want to talk about um, a couple of different observations that, that I've made in the last few years working in this industry on this topic, um, a kind of realization that I came to, um, and then a few things that, that you can work on if, if this is a skill that you think you could improve as well. And I really, the, the key takeaway from this is designers are business people too. We don't necessarily wear suits to work. We don't have briefcases, but, but we are business people too. So the first observation is that UX product designers tend to not come from a commercially focused background. So this isn't saying every single designer, um, but certainly in the experience of a lot of the people that I've talked to, there's a really varied background for how people got into design. If we look at this um, Nielsen Norman industry survey from last year, um, you can see, so this is really looking at people without a UX degree. To be honest, I know very few people with a UX degree. It's probably happening a little bit more now that the universities have caught up. Um, but as for those without a UX degree, there's just really no consistent pattern. Like online courses, I, I don't even know what that really means. Um, there's boot camps. There's actually no UX-related education. There's other. There's really no pattern to, to how you actually get into this role. There's no prerequisite. In the same survey, they talked about what kind of skills UX practitioners might find useful. 
And way down here, we had like 20 mentions of this term that maybe business is a useful skill. And a much more of a focus on that thing again, empathy, um, and other things like um, just technical skills and, and basic design skills. And when I look at the business that I operate in, um, this is a fairly common story. And this is a slightly exaggerated example, but certainly possible. Where you've got a designer and say a product manager who's supporting two teams of developers, which could be you know, 15, 16 developers, you're gonna have an engineering manager, a delivery manager in there as well. So if you've got this many people focused on the delivery and tech side of things, and then only two people that are really focused on the, the product and the experience side of things, do we really want to focus all our energy into learning how to code? Or maybe should we be more focused on becoming an ally to that product manager and learning a bit more about the business side of things? And this is not saying, hey, you shouldn't learn how to code. Of, of course, you're going to need to have some knowledge to have good conversations with developers. That's one of the skills of being a good designer. But it's just what your focus is actually on. Perhaps that's not always going to be the best thing to focus on. The second observation is the mental model problem. Um, I'm, I'm sure we've all come across this at some point if we've got the word design in our titles. But that is a pretty loaded term, that word design. Um, again, from this same survey last year, we have lots of designers coming from backgrounds in graphic design, digital media, um, fine arts even. This makes a ton of sense. I teach an introduction to UX class in General Assembly, and the amount of people in that class that are graphic designers or digital designers moving into UX is, is really, really high. And this makes a lot of sense. A lot of those skills are crossover skills. Um, but I think this also lends weight to that argument that because people come from a kind of visual design background that, that really UX design is all about being a visual designer. I came across this meme, which is pretty outdated. Um, you can tell from the iOS version that's on there. Um, but I think it's a good sum up of the situation. We've got some people thinking that, you know, we're the Photoshop at this time, probably not, it's more Sketch, maybe even Figma. Um, so you've got some people thinking that we're the, the design tool people. You've got other people thinking, oh, they're the, the developers, they write some code. Designers can write code, right? Um, and then you've got, you know, your mom who's thinking maybe you're actually just an artist because of the word design. I think there's also this thing that I've never been able to escape in most jobs that I've had, which is if I say I'm a UX designer, people think that I make wireframes and that's the bulk of what I do. I don't really know where that came from, but that just seems to be a thing that, that I can't shake. And I think there is always this element of going into a new team and having to fight a little bit against that idea that you just do the UI, you're the designer. And I think more mature teams, this isn't such a problem. And I've certainly seen this change, but I think Again, it's that loaded term design. Every time you move to a new team, there's some element of this in there. The third observation, and this is more specific to, to my role working in a company as a product designer, but I'd like to think that um, even as a UX designer, for example, you, you could relate to this point, which is that product designers can tend to be very design oriented and not product oriented. So I love this talk that um, Paul Adams, who's the, the VP of Product Intercom, gave a couple of years ago at UX London. And he really makes this point that design is not the center of the world. So Paul works at Intercom. He actually comes from a design background, but he's working as a VP of product. And he talks about how the, at the leadership of a company level, design is just one of the spokes in a wheel. And yes, it can be a really important spoke and a really differentiating spoke at that but it is just one thing in the wheel. If you've got a really great product design team, 
but you're not selling your product because you've got a terrible sales team, then do you actually have a good product at all? And I think that's something that as designers, we can tend to view, you know, that we hold the design process as the most important thing in our companies. And absolutely, our role is to promote that process. But I think we need to be really aware of that larger context in which we're operating in. And to that effect, like this is not what our customers see. I've done some great things in Figma. I've got some awesome files that I can share with you. But if that doesn't make it into the customer's hands, then ultimately, is it actually the best way for me to be spending my time? Is that the thing that I should be focused on? So I think um, it's, again, it's not a knock on the, the tools that we use, but it's really thinking about what is the purpose of what I'm doing? Is this going to be something that the customer is actually going to ultimately benefit from? We use all these different tools, and this is kind of uh, funny that, that Dan was talking a little bit about tools previously. We use all these different tools for storing our research, for presenting our research, for sharing our research with other people in the business. Um, some of these great, great tools like Dovetail, which we use to store all of our, our research content in. And that's great. And we love going through these um, design processes, documenting the methodology that we used and how many customers we talked to. But ultimately, whenever we're presenting these insights further up the company, the big question that always comes back is really, so what? Like, that's really cool that you did all that effort, but what do you want me to do with it? And I think that that's something that, that we really need to improve and something that our team has been working really hard on. Our stakeholders don't care how many diamonds we went through in the discovery process. They just want to know what to do as a result at the end of all that. So for me, this led to a realization. I've, I've seen these things happening and I realized actually for me to have more impact as a designer, I need to become a better business person. I need to be able to communicate with these people better. And ultimately, it's more about focusing on those skills than, than the core design skills. And really, in, in order for me to do that, I need to become the opposite. So I really need to, to look at those things that I've observed and go, how can I make the opposite of all those things true? And in my case, that looks like becoming an expert in my business. So designers don't tend to be um, commercially focused. Well, I'm going to become an expert in business and an expert in my business. I'm going to create new mental models about what it means to be a designer. And I'm also going to become a product focused person as opposed to a design focused person. So I'm just going to briefly talk about, about three things that, that you could do in order to kind of um, cultivate this mindset um, within yourself or within your team. So the first one is, is pretty straightforward. It's learn business basics and then learn how your business operates. So it's really learning about business in general, like learning some of the, the really core concepts that are out there. Um, learning about what your business leaders talk about. Every time they bring up a term, go away and look up what that term means. When they're talking about retention, learn, well, what actually is good retention? What does retention mean for our business? So it's learn about the business industry in general and then actually focused on into your business. You don't actually need to do an MBA to become somebody who's well-educated in business. Like you can do your own MBA. There has never been a better time to go and learn something online. I mean that because of all the available tools we have at our disposal, a lot of them for free. And also because a lot of us have, have a lot more time on our hands this year than usual, and particularly like me if you're, if you're living in Melbourne. So you can read, like I just love reading different books to, to what I'm used to reading. So maybe a few years ago, most of the books I were reading were, were by people like Dan, um, and I'm really about that design process. But perhaps I can expand my reading into other areas and learn about, you know, some of these really classic business concepts, books that were written 20, 30, 40 years ago. And this is not to say that you're going to just do everything that's in those books, 
but just to start building an understanding of what those business leaders in your company are actually thinking about and making sure that you can see the world from their side. So you might read some of these classic books and then something like the personal MBA, which is a much more um, recent book, which is a summary of all these, of all these great concepts. So it's really that the key is not to just read the books that you read all the time, go and read books about marketing, about pricing strategies, and really expand what you're learning about. Find a mentor, do a course. Coursera, here's a free ad for them. There's over 2000 courses when I search the word business. Um, there's some great courses on there and things like business strategy, again, all free. Um, and I think it's really important. If you work at a, a, larger company, a larger company like me, I go and find somebody who's not a designer. So in my case, it's one of our heads of delivery. And just talk to them. Um, he's actually got an MBA in that case. And I just talk to him about, hey, what, is, what are the things that you think about every day? What's important to you? Go and speak to somebody who's um, got a different view of the world from you. And then once you start to get this understanding, you want to get really deep into your business. How does your business make money? And not just how does your business make money, but really understand where that money comes from. So for example, is it good revenue or bad revenue? Like we made $100 million last year. That's great. Was this like recurring customers that are, that are going to be there next year as well? Or actually, did you run some kind of crazy promotions towards the end of the year so that you hit your targets? And actually, you're making very little margin. And in the long term, you're going to be at a loss for that. So it's not just how much money, but a little bit about what's behind those numbers as well. And this kind of plays out to, to, to the industry view. So perhaps you look at you know, revenue, great. This year, we made a little bit more revenue than last year. The line is going in the correct direction. That's a good sign. But maybe if you actually zoom out and look at the industry, you've got a competitor who's two, three, four, five times um, more profitable than you are or making more revenue than you. So it's important to have that industry view as well and to understand your business and then actually where you sit within the industry so that you can really be informed about some of the decisions that you're making. The second point is to, to build great relationships and become a connector. So I read this great book a few years ago, um, really all about this concept of Adlerian psychology. And the, one of the core concepts in the book is that all problems are interpersonal relationship problems. So when you break down pretty much every problem to the core, it becomes a problem about a relationship. If I draw back to my experience working with, with Apple, um, working on the Genius Bar, one of the mottos they had for all the staff that were actually out there repairing computers was, the Genius Bar is about restoring relationships. It's actually not about fixing somebody's broken iPhone. It's this understanding that really what you're doing is, is repairing this person's relationship with the company. So I think we need to look at our problems. All the problems that we deal with in business come down to being interpersonal relationship problems. One of my ex-colleagues, so a head of design that I worked with a few years ago, Frequently, we go out to get coffee in the morning. Um, on our way out the office, he would stop at pretty much everyone's desk and ask them, hey, do you want to get a coffee and engage in some small talk? This was, you know, great. Sometimes I just wanted to get out, get my coffee and get back into the office. And this would be a little bit delaying. What I realized a little bit later was that whenever I'd be sitting in meetings um, with this person, Tim was his name. I'd be sitting in meetings with Tim and everybody in the room just really liked this guy. They built relationships with this guy. And actually, it was relationships across the business, not just the other people in the design team or with the developers, but even just with the, the people who were doing admin in the office, for example. And he became this really great connector of people across all of our office. And again, this isn't a design skill. This is just a really solid people skill. 
I think for me, I found this hard to take on at first because I'm not an extroverted person. I'm not the kind of guy who wants to stop at everybody's desk, people that I don't know that well and say hello. But I think what you can do is actually find your way of being a connector. So you don't have to copy exactly what say Tim did, you find what works for you. In my case, I've found that every time I go and work in a new team, what I'll do is set up a one-on-one -on -one meeting with all of the key people that are in that team. So I'll just go in, pop something into their calendars. It's become a lot more normal now with the, the era that we're living in. Um, but what I find is that I can build these really good one-on-one -on -one relationships, which really helps me later when we get into a group setting. It's so much easier to build relationships with people one-on-one -on -one than if you sit down into a group of five, six, seven people. If you want to get a group of six people aligned on something, the best thing that you can do is go and talk to all of them individually before you get into a group situation. You're going to have so much more success that way. And that's a really great insight that I learned a couple of years ago. Third and final thing that you can do is to really figure out how you can best contribute to the business goals. And this is not easy. It requires a bit of soul searching, but it's really, really important. And please also note, this does not say, how can I justify more design? One of the things I come across when I read a lot about design and business and assessing designers impact, it seems like the overall goal is that we increase the design teams to be larger than the rest of the business. When really the, the outcome we should be looking at is how can we deliver the best products for our customers that really help our customers and improve their lives. And if that means hiring more designers, great, you should do that. But that's not always going to be the case. I love this quote from Andy Budd. Um, Andy Budd spoke at UX Australia a few years ago, and I kind of stole his presentation name, which was the, the accidental leader. So thanks for that, Andy. Um, and he talks about how design and product people are surprisingly blamey. We need to move the conversation from they, meaning the business, um, won't allow it, to what's preventing us, the business, from doing X. And it's this, this shift of mindset to we actually are the business. As designers, we are part of that business and part of that culture. In our company, we use OKRs. Um, I'm not going to spend a long time going into it. Um, to make it really simple, um, we have some objectives that we set at a company level and they cascade down into teams. So let's say, keep it simple, we have a company objective to make revenue of $100 million. Perhaps your team is responsible for $20 million. Everything that I do should be to inform how my team gets to that, that revenue target. Whether I wanna to speak to 10 users, to 20 users, to 30 users, Everything I do, I should be able to somehow connect to that target. Now, that's not a particularly exciting target. I've picked a, a pretty boring one in terms of revenue. One thing I can do, however, is help to make this goal tangible for my team. Because often when you get set some of these targets, they will be pretty dry things. Like looking at a revenue target really doesn't focus on the customer at all. And I think that's somewhere where we can have a really big impact and influence within our teams is to actually really make this real about the customer. So in my case, something that, that we always come back to in our teams is how can we reduce the gap from the team to the customer? So how can we actually make it that our, cust our customers' problems are front of mind whenever we're developing product? And that, me that can be lots of different things. So it can be as simple as just making the, the information that we have on customers readily available to our developers. So exposing them to things like community forums and what our customers are saying in the public right through to the, the best way, which is really just bringing our developers and, and people working on the product into our user interviews and our user testing and making sure that everybody on the team is spending at least a couple of hours every month with their customers. We found that's probably the best way to reduce the gap from the team to the customer. 
And it's this idea that the best outcomes come from inspiring people to action, not telling them what to do. So really, we, we don't want to just tell the people what to do. We want to very much bring them into the process and expose the process to them. And that's actually a really good way of achieving our, our long-term business goals, just by making the team feel more like a part of the problem. So in summary, um, I really strongly believe that improving your business acumen skills will lead to you having more impact as a designer. We constantly talk about this idea of seat at the table. This is one way that, that you can really help in that context. And it can also be easier than that. Building better relationships and focusing your energy, you can start to have more impact. It starts from the outside, which is, you know, working, um, what is business in general? How does your company work? How does your product work? And then really designing where you spend your time. And what we see at the end of all that is we've got this idea of this true product designer, true UX designer, and all of these things that I've talked about, really, this is just the same as any other business person. So what, what makes a really good designer is really just the same as any other business person. And that's it. That's all I got. Thanks, Finny. That was excellent. We have uh, one quick question, um, sure. which is uh, was, uh, posted anonymously. Do you think empathy is a skill or a distinctive character trait? How can we train it and improve it? Um, look, that's a, I think that's a really interesting question. Um, as I say, I, I think I, I used to think that empathy was just this thing I would talk about. You know, I, it's where you really, it, it's this line between sympathy and empathy almost. I find that one of the things I really liked about what Dan said was that whenever he got to know customers better, he was able to ask them much better questions. And I find, especially working in an area like I do, where it's really complex subject matter, in the first six to 12 months, the questions I was asking were very much that beginner's mindset, I'm not really sure what I'm talking about. Yeah. Whereas now I've got this much better feeling of what those customers are going through on a day-to-day -day basis. So I don't know that that's, that my, I haven't improved my empathy necessarily, um, but I think probably the best way to understand your customer's pain is to actually just spend a lot more time deeply understanding them and, and talking to them. So that, that's probably how I would go about it. Just learn the subject matter better. That's, um, one quick question from Stan. Can you talk about how you balance spending time in the design process versus delivering for stakeholders? Yeah, absolutely. That's something, so we've, um, we've went a bit of a change of how our teams work recently, and that's something that we're really laser focused on. Um, to be honest, one of the best things that we have at our disposal is definitely having a really good design system. We're, we're building products constantly and we've got teams focused on building our design system, which means that me as a product designer, I can actually focus where, I'm, where I think I provide more value, which is upfront in the discovery process. So we actually, there's a few things we need for that. We need a good design system. We need to upskill our developers as well and have our developers confident to make more decisions themselves. Um, but for me, that's absolutely one of the one of the points that's been really helpful for us. That's wonderful. Thanks very much, Vinny. Cool. Thank you.